there's a word that all of us know and that is called ummah and all of us hope and wish and aspire that we are an ummati, a member of that ummah. But in one sense, the way Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has expressed it in Quran wa Kareem, وَكَذَارَكَ جَأَلْنَاكُمْ أُمَّةً وَسَتَ And thus did we make you, kum, each and every single one of you, combined, will become an ummatu wasata. And this is the problem that we have today. That not every one of the 1.2 or 1.5 billion believers in this world view themselves as a member of the Ummah. <coughs> and even those of us who might think that we view ourselves as a member of the Ummah, we do so in some particular way, in some specific way, or in some part-time way. We don't do that in an absolute, universal, complete, total way. So in some sense, you can say there is an ummah statistically in the world, but there is no ummah. Hmm? People like to say that there are so many different groups and ideas and ideologies. This is something a secular Muslim would love to talk about. And they critique us. They critique the more like, say, traditional or conservative Muslims. But the reality is, is that all of us believe in the concept of ummah. All of us want to be a true member of the Ummah, but the Ummah itself has disappeared. There's groups, there's nations, there's members, there's individuals. There are very few things. Hajj, alhamdulillah, is one of those few rare things in which you really still, alhamdulillah, with the fuzzle and karam of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you can still see the entire Ummah all backgrounds, all races, all cultures, all views, all perspectives gathered together to do the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's the important point. Not just that they happen to show up together. That's not enough to be ummah. That they're all together, but then together they do something about deed. That would be called ummah. So in Hajj we see the ummah because all of these different groups get together and engage in the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. One problem we have today, and something I feel, especially in the past couple of years, I've been doing a lot of reflection, reading, sitting with different ulama shuyukh, that the ulama of Dilband, what was their very particular thing? Now there are many things a person could come up with. I'm just sharing with you my own personal reflection, right? 
and I will just say one, two lines in Urdu, then I will translate in English. Okay? The ulama of Deoband had one very special attribute in them, and that is that they combined i'tidal with ihtiyat. Kamil i'tidal or kamil ihtiyat. And this is very difficult to do. Very difficult to do. Many times what happens is a person in the name of i'tidal and wus'a, in the name of being balanced, fair, being broad, inclusive, for the sake of reaching out to others, sometimes we compromise on our ihtiyat, our wara, our taqwa. Hmm? And sometimes it might be that there's a person who, mashallah, has so much individual wara and taqwa, so much individual piety to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and that piety and their sincerity makes them almost like a turtle withdrawn to their shell, and they're not able to benefit others. And I personally feel the ulama of Deoband, in so many of their own ways, whether it was Hazrat Mulani Yasrimullah ta'ala, whether it was Hazrat Shaykh Ashraf Ali ta'ala, was it, it was Alama Anwar Shakishminatalay, they had this concern. So on the one hand we have to preserve the intensity and the intense purity of these incredible efforts of what is tafsir or hadith or zikr, islah. But at the same time, we have to do a massive outreach to the Ummah so that these things go beyond the Darloom and go beyond the Khanqa and go beyond the Ulama and Awliya and all of these good attributes and good Amal and good Akhlaq should enter in the Ummah. Now that generation, because they were, mashallah, so muttaqi, so saleh, they were able to do it. They had perfect itadal and perfect ihtiyat. But one, two, three, four, however you want to say, whatever generation number we're in now, it's very difficult. Hmm? And then on top of that, the world we live in is dunya of fitna, much more fitna than their time. And they were going to never imagine that because they were living under British colonial rule. And me and you technically were living in post-independence and freedom, right? Not under colonial empire. But I still think, surprising as it may be, Allah Allah, because I didn't live at that time, so maybe sometimes always look better, you know, they say the grass is green on the other side. But it seems to me that their time was actually one of less fitna than our own. Allahu hmm? Akbar. So I repeat this again. Ulama Deoband gives you a khas sifat, a very particular, unique, special attribute of the Akabr, Ulama, Uliya, Shiyukh, Deoband. They had kamil ihtidal but kamil ihtiyat. Allahu Akbar. And that's really the real attribute required to do any work of deen, khidmat of deen, dawat of deen, and that is the building blocks of any concept of a true ummah. Hmm? Very hard. Some of us, we don't even have it in our own families. Hmm? Some of us, we don't even have these attributes as individuals, let alone as an ummah. So here, this is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was saying in Quran al-Kareem. This we came up from the word wasata. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made us what? Ummatun wasata. So this one is framed to you the word wasat. Not English word moderate. I don't use an English word for this. Moderate, middle, what is that? doesn't mean anything. It means that you have ihtiyat and itadal. Hmm? That you have zikr and you have fikr. Allah Akbar, that you're good privately, you're good publicly. It means you have it all. Maybe an English word could be something like equilibrium. لِتَكُونُوا شُهَدَاءَ nas, 
And then you yourselves will bear witness on all people, all humanity. This ummah, but as a whole, not any one of you, not any group of you, not any few of you. If you become an ummah, that being an ummah will be a hujjat al-nas, will be an established proof on humanity. And that's Sahaba Ikram radiallahu ta'ala anhu They were an ummah, all of them together, they were one ummah. And when it was the age of Sahaba, door of Sahaba, it was a hujjat al-nas, the deen of Islam is haq. Even they went so many places, obviously way beyond Sayyidina Rasulullah was able to go. Nabi Karim did not leave the Arabian Peninsula. Sahaba Akram, they went so far and wide and they established hujjat, the deen of Islam is haq. And so many, and by the end of the last Sahabi, so many races, cultures, backgrounds, peoples entered the deen of Islam. Allahu Akbar Kabira. They were real, you know, we become misdaq of this ayah. They were the real living embodiment of this ayah. They were shuhada al nas. But then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, an ajeeb thing, وَيَكُونُ الرَّسُولُ عَلَيْكُمْ shahida." And then Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam will be a witness. Now what does this mean? Ajeeb ulama have done a lot of tafsir of this ayah. Now me and you, what do we think? What we want? Or what dua do we make when we go to Medina Manawra? Is that on the Day of Judgment? Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu will testify to my iman. That's what we hope and we wish. And he will testify to Allah that I have iman and he will grant me from his shafa'ah and he will grant me to drink from the hose of Yes, that's one meaning, one aspect of this. But this means something else. وَيَكُونُ رَسُولَ عَلَيْكُمْ شَهِيدًا And Nabi Kareem sallallahu will be a witness upon you. He will be a witness over you. He might even, Allah Alam, he might even testify to this. That yes, this person had Iman, this person had Islam, but they weren't from Ummah. They didn't have that Ummah awareness. They didn't have that Ummah consciousness. They didn't do this. They weren't Shuhada al-Nas. They didn't do that. They were not a Hujjah. They were not in living, breathing, walking reality of Deen of Islam on the face of this earth. Allah <coughs> Akbar. How many of us can think like that? Hmm? Maybe we can think that Nabi Akareem Sallallahu would testify to our Iman. How many of us can say he will testify to us being a member of his Ummah? Hmm? If we really understood what it means to be Ummah. Hmm? Allah Akbar Kabira. So that's also a dot to make, by the way, when we go to Medina Manawar. Hmm? Some strange, you know, I've observed this in people. I'm just sharing with you, Allah Akbar, whether it happens to the people in this country or not. When they're in Makkah Mukarama, and they make tawaf, they make a lot of dua for the ummah. But when they're in Medina Manawara, you always make dua for yourself. We always make dua for First you must save yourself. But something happens to a person. And when they stand at the roza, or when they go a little bit further ahead, and whenever they make their dua, they forget the ummah. <laughs> so strange. <laughs> it should not be like that. And like in Makkah, Mukarramah and Tawaf, most people, alhamdulillah, make dua for themselves, their family and the Ummah. It should be the same way in Medina Munawra. Hmm? Because you're showing up as an Ummati and that's one nisbat, one ta'luk with Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa is not just that my love for you, Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa but my love for your Ummah. Not just my concern for myself getting your shafa'ah or following your sunnah, but my concern for the whole ummah being able to do that in dunya and akhirah. Hmm? Has anybody ever tried to offer this salam? That you offer salam from yourself, from your friends? Have you ever offered salam from the whole ummah? Hmm? You can. Why not? 
You think you need the ummah to ask you individually? No, you are naib of the ummah. We don't think like that. We think I'm representing myself, I'm representing my friend, my sheikh, my students. But we might say five, ten, fifteen names in salam and we go. Allah hmm? Allah, but I don't know. You know, some of you may, mashallah, have this feeling. But this is what I've observed. So I share with you, I've observed it in myself. That's what I'm sharing with you. I realize this. And I have to catch myself and say, what, why? I should know I should have the same concern for others as I had in Makkah Makarama making tawaf as I do when I'm standing at the Loda. Hmm? Oh, Akbar Kabira. This is deen. Always feeling as part and a member of the Ummah of Nabi Akreem sallallahu alayhi wa Then, another place of the Sallallahu You were the very best Ummah ever brought forth for the benefit. Lamir comes for nafa, for the sake of humanity. So I mean, not for your own sake. This khair that was given to you wasn't just so you would be yourself to the best. That's the mistake the Bani Israel made. That's the mistake the Jews made. They thought we were the chosen people. So Santa is saying, no, in your case to correct, to make sure you're correct, linnas, for the sake of humanity. Not even for the sake of fellow believers. For the sake of the rest of humanity, all of humanity, ta'muruna bil ma'rufi wa tarhawna al-mulka. Again, how do you translate this in English? Once I saw someone, I thought it's a nice way to translate it. You enjoy that which is fair, and you prevent that is unfair. Just, it gives it a nice symmetry. It's not the most literal translation of maruf and munkar, but you enjoy that which is fair, and you prevent that which is unfair. Hmm? But how can we do that? If we're unfair in individuals, or we're unjust in our own families, or we're unjust in our own business, or communities, or circles. Hmm? How in the world can we do that for nas? How can we do that for ghair? But if we don't do it for our own selves, in fact, if you were to ask Nas at the time of Sahaba come, that was the very best thing on earth for humanity, they would say Sahaba. They would say Ummah. All of the would say, these people are the very best thing ever to happen in the entire history of this world. Hmm? But me and you were not like that anymore. Again, this love, the secular Muslims love to beat us with this one. Hmm? Look at the Muslims, look at the Muslims, look at the Muslims. It's wrong. I'm not saying what they say is wrong. Their attitude is wrong. Their perspective is wrong. This is a skewed, flawed, twisted way of looking at things. But at the same time, we have to think. We have fallen as an ummah so that they're able to say these things about us. Hmm? So Allah SWT said in Quran, Ta'muruna bil ma'roof. I won't talk about this so much here. But Amr, it really means command. It means with full strength that they establish fairness and justice in such a way that it's unstoppable, basically. Hmm? We just understand like that. Alright? And the same way, same way, Sanhauna means there's so much they turn away the oppression. They roll back the injustice. Hmm? They fight the poverty. There's so many things that are munkar. Hmm? They fight the immodesty. So many things, they establish this effort in such a way that the munkar goes away. Hmm? And, and this is also something that they're doing for nas. Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq, he said, Is it possible that deen could have any, any slight even nooks in it 
وَأَنَا حَيُّنْ أَنْ أَيْ أَبُو بَكَرْ أَمْ أَلَائِفْ said my life, my breath, I cannot bardas, I cannot tolerate such a thing. Such fikr for deen, such fikr for ummah, such purity and sincerity of heart and action. These things are almost finished in this world. In fact, sometimes it becomes the opposite, that even there's one increase in deen, people don't like it. It's a strange world we live in. One increase in deen. In fact, there's so many, not the type of people who will be here, but there's so many Muslims and we encounter them a lot in our way. And if their son becomes slightly religious, starts coming to masjid, grows beard, they don't like it. Daughter wears hijab, niqab, they don't like it. So look, it's the complete opposite. Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq is saying that one drop in deen, how can it happen while I'm alive? These people say, one increase in deen, how can it happen while we're alive? They don't allow it. They try to stamp it out. Abu Bakr Kabira. This is the state that we've come in. It's almost like opposite to the way we're supposed to be. Sahab Ikram, radiallahu ta'ala al-Majmain. Once there was an incident, it's a long story, but you can just say it was one prelude to one ghazwa, one battle, known as the Battle of the Ahzab, which means that all many different factions of kuffar had gathered in one united, uh, to use modern terms, one coalition, Huh? against the believers. So then what happened was the mushrikeen, they went to the believers and they started taunting them. And Allah Ta'ala preserves this in Quran al-Kareem. What? nas. The people started saying to sahabi kram radiallahu ta'ala al-majma'in inna nasaka jama'u lakum faqshawkum and indeed all the different people have gathered and united against you you should be afraid of them. Hmm? You should be afraid of them. So what happened to Sahabakrab when they said this? Fazadahum imana. All of this just made them increase in their iman. Tawakkul Allah. The reason I wanted to do this for you is because this is the passage of the zikr that many people do. Many Mashaikh students do zikr. What? Hasbunallahu wa ni'mal wakil. This is in Quran Karim. But you should go one, two lines before and see what is the context in Quran. Where did this come from? Where is Allah mentioning this? Hmm? So this is the context. So they told them, what happened to Sabakram? Fazaduhum imana. It only increased their hearts in iman. Waqalu. And what did they say? Hasbunallahu wa ni'mal wakil. Allah SWT is sufficient for us and He is the best of guardians. Hmm? That's how you're supposed to say Hasbunallahu wa ni'mal wakil. It's not enough just to say these things that this is called, we call it the Rasam and Rawaj of Tasawf. That we just learn zikr, just run through it a hundred times. We don't have any effect on the world. There's no effect on our own deed. No, this is the way to say this sentence. Hasbunallahu wa ni'mal wakil. Allah SWT is entirely, absolutely, completely sufficient for us. And He is the best. The best and most wonderful and perfect of guardians over us. Hmm? Then Allah SWT, another place, all of these ayats we've been telling you from Surah Baqarah, Surah Al-Imran. This is also an understanding, this is a phase and a period in the revelation and the seerah of Nabi Akrim sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So Allah SWT teaches a dua to make. And normally, very few people make this as a dua. Because it's a dua, but it's not something that you're asking, it's rather you're proclaiming something about Allah SWT. What? 
that proclaim to them that say, O oh Allah, you are the master of all dominion. You are the sovereign over all affairs. You bestow this mulk and the affairs on whomsoever you want. And you can take it away from whomsoever you want. Allahu Akbar. You can bestow honor on whomsoever you want and you can bestow disgrace on whomsoever you want. Allahu Akbar Kabira. But Ya Allah, in your power, in your kudrat, in your nusrat, in your decision, in your decree, ultimately, this is our hope, that there is khair, that there is good. Even when you disgrace someone, if that person makes tawbah, they can find khair from that, they can find good from that. If you give izzat to someone, if they are humble and they become a slave of Allah subhanahu wa and use the izzat that Allah gave them for the sake of deen, for the sake of ummah, they will find khair from that. They will find khair from that. Hmm? Indeed, you Allah, you are all powerful over every single thing. This is another thing that a lot of people, we recite, La hawla wa la quwata illa billah, La ilaha illallah wahdu la sharika la, lahul mulku wa lahul hamdu yuhyu mitu biyad al-khair wa huwala kulli shayin kadeer. And so those phrases that come in Qur'an al-Kareem, Come first after Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala teaching us to proclaim that He is the master of every single thing and we are Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's slave. We are Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's slave. Hmm? But when you look at Nabi Akareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, whenever he had any difficulty in life, he would turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's salah. Raining, he would pray salah. News of enemy, he would pray salah. Hunger, he would pray salah. Opposition, he would pray salah. Hmm? Coming back from Taif, he would pray Salah. Hmm? Any time he turned to Musallah, any and every time he turned to the Musallah, even in Halate Fatha, Halate Farha, even in victorious times, joyous times, triumphant times, successful times, he would sit on the Musallah. Hmm? Now, this is a big difference between us and the Biyakareem, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So, Fatha taught us in Quran. Now, that these are, uh, again, ayat if you would know. Ya Yuladina Amanu. That all you who believe, you should seek help from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Bis-sabr, okay, patience, endurance, perseverance, and through salah. This is the mercy of Allah ta'ala. Salah should be only ibadah. Should be only for the sake of Allah ta'ala. Should be what we call begharaz. Without any mm, niyat to gain anything for ourselves. Without any benefit for ourselves. Salah should be selfless only for Allah ta'ala. But here Allah ta'ala allowed us. That okay, when you need help, you come to Salah. Yes, you will come to Salah to obey, to worship, to submit. But here you can make niyat also in the Salah that you want something from Allah SWT. You want help from Allah SWT. Allah Akbar. In Allah ma sabirin. And Allah SWT is ever and always with the patient ones. That comes after this. Ya ayuhalladheena amanu. Istainu bistabri wa salah Then in the lahama sabri The miyat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala The companionship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala In another place Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Also in Surah Baqarah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say Wastainu bistabri wa salah Wa innaha la kabiratun Illa ala al-khashi'in That you should seek Allah ta'ala's help with sabr and salah But this would be very difficult to do 
la kabiratun. It will surely be a weighty, enormous task. It won't be doable, except for the people who are khashi'in, the people who are humble, fearful, penitent, yearning for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's our problem. We fall into any difficulty, we don't turn to Allah ta'ala in sabr, we don't turn to Allah in salah, we end up in depression, we end up in sadness, we get paralyzed. Even you talk to people, they will tell you, why don't you pray some salah? You say, yes, I will, inshallah. You put the phone down, you don't pray it. Somebody will tell you, why don't you make dua? You say, Jazakallah, brother, I'll make dua. You put the phone down, you don't make the dua. You freeze up, unable to turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You believe in all these things. We believe in all these ayat. We believe everything. We freeze up. Why? Because we didn't fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the good times. Hmm? This is another ajeeb attribute. Sahaba Kram had it. Radiallahu ta'ala on his mind. Our akabir, the akabir of the Uban had it. They were afraid of Allah Ta'ala even when everything was going just fine. When everything was going great. And that's why anything, something slight happened. It wasn't Kabira for them. Because they were khashid. So it was easy for them to turn to Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala in sabr and salah. And obviously the person who had this most is our beloved Nabi Akreem. Hmm? So then, another eye that we all know. إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يُغَيِّرُ مَا بِقَوْمٍ حَتَّى يُغَيِّرُ مَا بِأَنفُسِهِمْ Allah subhanahu wa will not change the condition of a people until they change their own condition. Many ways you can interpret this. I'll interpret this according to what we just told you. Allah ta'ala will not change the condition of a person in bad times until they change their condition and relation with Allah ta'ala in good times. Because what happens to us when we're in good times, we lose the fear of Allah Ta'ala. Maybe we adopt arrogance and vanity and conceit. We think we're flying high and mighty. And if we lose the fear of Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala, oh, then when Allah Ta'ala sends the test, hmm? the test will come, oh, Allah Ta'ala will take the dominion away, take the status away, Allah Ta'ala will send His grace. Why? Because you stop fearing Him in good times. The exact what to Iblis? Hmm? Iblis had everything going for him. All ibadat, iman, yaqeen, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But he stopped being afraid. You know, when you read in Quran and you see the way he talks to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it's amazing. You think, how is it possible? Any creature is something beyond evil. Even if a person, being is evil, right? But how can you talk to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala like that? How can you talk back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? It's, it's, you can't understand. It's nothing, it's beyond evil. What is it? It's fearless. He's fearless. That's what happened to him. That's why he talks to the Sultan. I will make them all go astray. Allah Akbar. You made me from fire. You made him from the elements of earth. Achieve? Fearless. When did he become fearless? After he failed to do the sajda? No. Before. Before. But what was he before? Before he was the greatest wali of the jinn, he was the greatest abid of the jinn, he was the greatest araf of the jinn. He was flying high. But then he became fearless. And took it away, took it all away. So you see this in the great, true ulama, uliya, salaf. The more they came closer to Allah Ta'ala, 
the more they worshipped Allah Ta'ala, the more they did Dawah Deen, the more ilm they acquired, the more ilm they taught, the more they feared Allah Ta'ala. Any increase in Deen will lead to more fear of Allah Ta'ala. إِنَّمَا يَفْسَ اللَّهَ مِنْ إِبَادِهُ الْعُلَمَاءِ But those who most fear Allah Ta'ala are those who have an understanding. Allahu Akbar Kabira. So this is one big problem of ours is that we don't have this fear. Then, Allah SWT says in Quran, وَإِذَا أَرَادَ اللَّهُ بِكَوْمٍ سُوءًا When Allah SWT decides to afflict any community with any calamity, literally it's evil, but any calamity and hardship that will be displeasing to them, فَلَا مَرَدَّ لَهُ No one can ever turn it back. There's no repelling it. وَمَا لَهُمْ مِن دُونِهِ مِنْ وَالَ They will have no wali other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They can have no friend other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, obviously this ayah originally meant something, but generally then the Mufassirun, if they take a general meaning for the sake of believers, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to disgrace someone, cast someone, sin because they're fearless, they will have no wali, no friend other than Allah ta'ala. Only way out is to make true tawbah to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. True tawbah to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now I want to show you just one more angle to look at this concept of Ummah which we can start with or we can begin with and that is what in English we just call brotherhood companionship, fellowship, friendliness to one another Allah SWT said Quran Karim إِنَّمَا الْمُؤْمِنُونَ إِخْوَى that indeed all believers are but brethren to one another Companions, comrades, friends, associates, colleagues, supporters to one another. Hmm? All believers. This is the foundation before we can become ummah. For now, we have to be like this with one another. In fact, when Allah described the judgment, يَوْمَ يَفِرُّ الْمَرْءُ مِنْ First, Allah Ta'ala said, before ummi, before mother, before spouse, before anything. Why? This is also ishara. That the closest thing, the closest person, is one's sibling, is one's brother. Hmm? First person then, this is the, Allah was showing the immense ro'ob, the awe-inspiring nature of the Day of Judgment, that the first person that we will flee from will be our own brother. This brotherly feeling, forget the whole ummah, brotherly feeling within our own circles, within the people we know, within our own fellow masallis in the masjid, with our own fellow ulama, with our own, own fellow muqtadis, however you want to call it, it's lacking. Alhamdulillah, many people have it, many places have it, but there are also many places where it's lacking. Simple feeling of brotherhood to one another. Hmm? Simple, basic love to one another. Nabi Akareem sallallahu he said, Imam Bukhari narrated, al-Muslim akhl Muslim, that the Muslim is the believer of their fellow Muslim. La yadlimuhu. They will never be unjust to their fellow Muslim. What does it mean? So the, the sunnah is despi- describing, defining brotherhood. La yadlimuhu. They won't be unjust to their fellow believer. Wala They will never forsake their other believer. Wala And they will never belittle or be demeaning towards their fellow believer. Three things. Hmm? La yadlimuhu. This is an honor of a believer that we don't do zul. There's a lot of zulm in the world right now. 
a lot of injustice, oppression, poverty, hurt, harm, violence, war, betrayal, divorce, infidelity, adultery. There's so much zulm in the world. So much zulm in the world. So step one, what the Prophet mentioned here, that don't be a zalim yourself. But not to zoom to their brother, their fellow believer. Don't be a zalim yourself. So before we get any fancy ideas of doing anything else in the world, the first zulm that we have to do rad of, the first injustice and oppression we have to remove is the one in our own nafs, in our own self. Hmm? Then, second, Nabi Kareem sallallahu also taught that if somebody's mazloom, not due to us, generally they're mazloom, we have to help them out of their mazloomiyah. If they're being oppressed, whether it's Burma, Syria, long list. Hmm? And we have different ways to help. But we have to help them out of their being mazloom. That's also part of being a brother. Also part of being a brother. Then the Kareem, in separate days, the Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa once told Sahab that you must help your brother whether they're a zalim or mazloom, whether they're doing wrong or they're being wrong. So Sahab asked a question. The Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa okay, help when he's being wrong, we understand we have to help him, defend him, rescue him, save him. How do we help the one who is doing wrong? So the Prophet sallallahu you have to repel him. You have to turn him back from his, if you will, and I will construct over in Arabic, from his zalimiyah. You have to con- roll him back from his doing zulm. So number one, don't do zulm yourself on anyone else. Number two, try to help others escape from the zulm that others are doing on them. And number three, those others who are doing zulm on them, those zalimin. Try to help them and guide them to Tawbah and roll them back from the zoom that they're doing. And it goes in this order. Because that third one is the hardest thing to do. And in this day and age, the third one is next to impossible to do. First and foremost, and the most accessible, make sure you don't do zoom on someone. Second, and that's also become very hard to do, very complicated to do. In the times of fitna, that's what the Prophet said, you won't know who's on haq and who's not. The Prophet said in times of fitna, a person will kill and the qatil, the killer will not know why he killed and the one being killed won't know why he was killed. And I tell people that in, the, in this time of fitna, just like is this about marriage, just like is this about murder and marriage, the one divorcing doesn't know why he gave the divorce and the one being divorced doesn't know why she was divorced. Hmm? Allah Akbar, we have cases like that. We try to say, well, why? He says, I don't know why I divorced her. Allah Akbar, I don't know why I was divorced. Hmm? It's just like the hadith of Nabi Akrim about murder. Fitna. And the third one, Allahu Akbar Kavira. To roll back the zalim from his own zulm. Hmm? To correct the oppressor. Almost non-existent in this world anymore. Ajeeb hmm? fitna. Age of fitna that we live in. Hmm? So here, this was the First thing that Nabi Akram sallallahu alayhi wa said, that don't do zul. Don't do zul. La yadlimuhu. Second, la yahduluhu. Yahdul means that don't abandon them. Hmm? This I already explained to you, one meaning of this, don't abandon them to the zulm of someone else. 
Don't be numb to their plight. Don't turn the other way when you see their poverty. You know, I was telling a story to some of the people I don't, a few nights ago, whether here or some other city. So there's a lot of illiteracy in the Muslim world. In our Pakistan, India, there's a lot of illiteracy. Now, illiteracy means, number one, they can't read Quran al Number two, they can't even, you know, basic function in society. And that's the type of zulm in the sense that the society has made, the elites in our Muslim countries have made a system where they have the haves and the have-nots, right? And there's still millions, tens of millions of people who can't read. So Shaykh, Shaykh Muhammad Zamani told us a beautiful story in Ramadan. And it's a very beautiful story. And we love to repeat it. Hmm? And that there was a woman who was illiterate. She could not read at all. But she read the whole Quran in Ramadan. She's a woman who cannot read at all, but she read the whole Quran in Ramadan. How did she read Quran in Ramadan? She took Quran, she opened Quran, she had wudu, and she touched her finger on every line and she said, Yebi Hakke, Yebi Hakke, Yebi Hakke, Yebi Hakke. Every line she would say, this is true, 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 next page, this is true, this is true, this is true. She read whole Quran like that. Allah Akbar Hmm? Now you tell me, shouldn't there be some effort to teach a woman like that how to read? Can you imagine this woman has the nur in her heart to become the mufassara of her time, if you ask me? That type of feeling that she has for Quran Kareem like that? Hmm? So why? It's a zone that's been done. It's an oppression. It's an injustice. She's not able to read Quran Kareem. Whether you look at poverty, you look at illiteracy, you look at education, there's so many things. Whether you do it locally, you do it in Africa, you do it in the Muslim world, but this is something for our fellow believers. Hmm? Masha, I remember one of the first trips in South Africa, so I heard about this. I'm sure it's still going on, that there were South African Muslims who make these wells, uh, drinking water across the African continent. Whether I'm sure for believers others, etc. And I said to, and I remember the cost and I was amazed. I don't remember what it was, but I remember being amazed that the cost was relatively so small that for just this amount of money you can provide clean drinking water for this many people. I remember thinking to myself, how come it's not done yet? You know? It's just, it should all be done. There should be clean drinking water all over. Hmm? Allah Akbar. But we don't do this enough. Hmm? We don't do enough of this. And the last one that the Nabiya Kareem Sallallahu said is do not belittle them. Do not demean them. Do not view them as lower than you. Even if they're sinners. That's a very beautiful teaching. It's part of brotherhood. Because what you see, the brother loves his brother. There are two people who can love a sinner. Either the mother of the sinner or the brother of the sinner. Hmm? So that's part of the brotherly bond. That you love them anyway. You love them despite their faults. So somebody says, well why do you love this person? what's the matter with you? You still love them? You say, yes. But they did this. You say, I know. But they're this. You say, I know. So you keep pushing and pushing them. Why? He said, look, I love them because he's my brother. Alright? That's it. <laughs> end of story. The end of discussion. So go back to ayah. <laughs> All believers are brethren, brothers to one another. So why do you love a fellow believer? Because he's my fellow. <laughs> I love him for both. He's a believer. That's the first thing. He believes in Allah Ta'ala. That's enough for me to love him. I love him because of his iman. And I love him because he's my fellow. Hmm? He's my brother. He's my fellow mu'min. He's part of the ummah. Hmm? 
this feeling we don't have. We find out something small about someone, all the love goes away. Hmm? All the love goes away. And now actually this has started to happen within real families also. It wasn't supposed to be like that, but it's happening between blood brothers also. Blood brothers turning on one another. Blood brothers depriving one another of inheritance or shared business or whatever happens. Allah Akbar Kabira. So when you ask why, they'll give a reason. There's a reason. Right? They did this, they said that, this happened. It's okay. But you're supposed to love them anyway. They look at, if you say that to them, they look at you like you're crazy. Hmm? You're supposed to love them anyway because they're your brother. Hmm? This is the way Nabi Kareem taught us how to be true believers, true brethren, true fellows to one another. Hmm? While at the same time, Nabi Kareem taught us always to be on haq, but still always to be brotherly. Hmm? The same thing I told you about the Kaaba Etidal ihtiyat, etidal ihtiyat. Haq and hilm, zarf, sabr, taqwa, wara. This rare combination of things. And this is something that is lacking in many of us today. Khair, many things we could tell you, but it's a weeknight. Huh? Allah Akbar Kabira. For me, we're a traveler every night is weekend. Huh? Yeah? We have a very easy life. We have to give one hour beyond in the morning. We give one hour beyond in the evening. Allah Ta'ala gives roof over my head. And Allah Ta'ala gives me food. That's it. Very easy life. Hmm? You people, mashallah, you work 8-10 hours a day, 10-12 hours a day. You work 2 hours a day. You can ask them. I give one hour beyond in the morning. I give one hour beyond. Two hours. Two hours a day. That's it. Allah Akbar. That's it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is great. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is great. Many other things we have kept, but there's a lot on this topic. Hmm? Long hadith, I'll just give you an ashara in English. Also in the Sahih of Muslim, Allah ta'ala will ask the believer, huh? the day of judgment, I was hungry, you didn't feed me. I was thirsty, you didn't give me to drink. I was sick, you didn't visit me. It's ajeeb hadith, you know. It's so ajeeb. And only the hadith ajeeb when you imagine that on the day of judgment, but so many other things will be, you know, so many other, let's say, injustices have to be settled, right? So many big things have to be taken care of. Kufr, Shirk, Abu Lahab, Abu Jal, Allah, Akbar, Kabira. But here this also will come, this question will also come to the believers. The believer might be there sweating because of his sin. And Allah is going to ask me about this sin, Allah will ask about this sin. And Allah will ask him something, maybe not even expecting that. Not even thinking about that. He's so scared about his own sin. And the way is so achieved. It's not just about some, some story. It's a reality. Allah Ta'ala will say it. I was hungry and you didn't feed me. Oh, ya Allah. Look at the hungry. Huh? Look at the intense way Allah Ta'ala will say it. I was hungry and you didn't feed me. Hmm? But you know what it means. I'm just, I'm just saying, shut up. It's not what it means literally. All right? Well, if you know what it means, that you didn't, there were hung, people who were hungry, and you didn't feed them. Hmm? I was thirsty. You didn't give me the drink. Huh? I mean, this one hadith, really, hadith I could say, is enough to make us realize how much, we call it, uh, compassion, empathy, 
compassion, empathy, warmth, affection, feeling we should have for one another. Hmm? So many hadith. The Prophet said, Allah Ta'ala will be with a believer when he helps his fellow believer. If he helps his believer in need, Allah will remove one of his needs. So many hadith after hadith, I've got pages of the mirror. Ajeeb. Hmm? We're missing out. We're missing out. So Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, these type of communities, Alhamdulillah, we don't miss out on Salah, we don't miss out on Dhikr, we're not missing out on Quran, we didn't miss out on Taraweeh, Alhamdulillah. But now we have to move forward and look what are the things they are missing out on. And a lot of us are missing out on these brotherly feelings. And that's why we're missing out on being a member of the Ummah. And you know, if we don't fix this, we might miss out on a lot of things in the Day of Judgment. We might miss out a lot of things in Akhir. Just understand it like this. If you are not brotherly and friendly and loving and just and kind and compassionate and caring to your fellow believers in this lifetime, what makes us think that Allah Ta'ala will put us into a Jannah in which Sayyidina Rasulullah what we want, that Sayyidina Rasulullah will be loving with us, kind with us, gentle with us, compassionate with us. So just think that that brotherly bond, so to speak, that you want to have with Nabiya Kareem, so that the intimate bond, that bond of intimacy and companionship, sati, huh? that you want to be with Nabiya Kareem in Jannatul Firdos forever, try to get that same brotherly, loving bond, sati, with one another in Ummah in this world. That could make that happen. And if we don't do this, we'll be in danger that that doesn't happen. May Allah Ta'ala give me tawfiq, give all of us tawfiq to be better believers to one another, better friends to one another, better brethren to one another. May He protect us ever from ever doing zulm on anyone, from ever failing to help anyone that we could help. And may Allah Ta'ala protect us from ever looking down on anyone, belittling anyone, demeaning anyone. Wa akhirat da'wana. And alhamdulillah, Make dua subhanahu wa ta'ala wa hamdallahu wa salli ala sayyidina Muhammad wa ala ali sayyidina Muhammad wa barik wa sallim rabbana zalamna anfusana wa illam takfir lana wa tarhamna lanakunanna minal khasirin rabbig fir warham wa anta khayrul rahimin ya Allah rabbi kareem forgive us for all the sins that we did ya rabbi kareem forgive us for all the hearts that we've hurt Forgive us, Ya Rabbi Kareem, for all the people that we betrayed. Ya Rabbi Kareem, forgive us for all the times you gave us an opportunity to help someone, but we were too lazy to do it, too uncaring to do it, too numb to do it. Ya Rabbi Kareem, forgive us for all the times that we could have been kind and gentle with someone, but still our nafs made them be harsh with them, our nafs made them, us belittle them, our nafs made us demean them. Ya Rabbi Kareem, we make tawbah from all these sins. Accept our tawbah, Ya Rabb. You are the being who accepts the tawbah of the sinners. Ya Rabb, this is also a sin that we made. We seek your forgiveness on this night. Forgive us, Ya Rabbi Kareem. Send your mercy on us, Ya Rabbi Kareem. Send your hidayah on us, Ya Rabbi Kareem. Make us true, loving members of the Ummah, Ya Rabb. Make us true followers of Nabi Kareem. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Ya Rabb. Ya Rabbi Kareem, give us tawfiq to always fear you. Increase us in our fear of you when we make ibadah. Increase us in our fear of you when we make dawah. Increase us in our fear of you when we learn 
ilm of deen. Increase us in our fear of you when we share and spread ilm of deen. Increase us in our fear of you when we build masjid. Increase us in our fear of you when we establish deen. Increase us in our fear of you when we give sadaqah and charity. Yet in Bikrim and all of our amal, all of our akhlaq, let them be increased, increase our fear for you, our humility in front of you. And Ya Rabb, never make us mahroom, never bestow upon us zillat, protect us from every disgrace, protect us from every dishonor. You are Satar, you are Ghafoor, you are Ghafar, you are Rahman, you are Rahim. Ya Rabbi Kareem, grant us the izzat of Tawbah, the izzat of Taqwa, the izzat of Tahara, the izzat of Haya. Ya Rabbi Kareem, on the Day of Judgment, Ya Rabb, forgive us for our sins. Send your mercy on us, Ya Rabb. Out of your mercy, admit us into Jannah. Grant us the izzat of being the Sahabi of Nabi Kareem, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, in Jannah of Firdaus, Ya Rabbi Kareem. We too want to drink from his holy kothar. We too need his shifa'a, Ya Rabbi Kareem. Let us be kind to one another in this world, loving to one another in this world. And Ya Rabb, bestow upon us his kindness and his love on the Day of Judgment and his shifa'a, Ya Rabbi Kareem. Ya Rabbi, make dua for the whole Ummah, Ya Rabb, especially for the Muslimin of the Ummah, for the oppressed of the Ummah, for the war ravages of the Ummah, for the needy of the Ummah. Forgive us, Ya Rabb, that we have not done our share to help them. We make dua for them on this night. Ya Rabbi Kareem, send your khas special rahmah upon them. Be their protector when they have none, their guardian when they have none, their savior when they have none. Ya Rabbi Kareem, from your own endless, limitless treasures of rahmah, send your mercy upon their heart. Send a joy upon their heart. Send sukoon and itminan on their heart. And Ya Rabbi Kareem, those members of the Ummah who are doing zulm, give them hidayah, Ya Rabbi. Give them tawfiq to make tawbah, Ya Rabbi. Take away their zulm, Ya Rabbi Kareem. And if it is not in their takdeer, Ya Rabbi, then protect us from their zulm. Protect us from becoming Muslimin, Ya Rabbi Kareem. Rabbana takambal minna innaka anta sami'ul alim. وَتُمْبُ عَلَيْنَا إِنَّكَ أَنْتَ التَّوَابُ الرَّحِيمُ وَصَلَّى اللَّهُ تَعَالَى عَلَى حَبِيبِهِ سَيْدْنَا مُحَمَّدٍ وَعَلَى آلِهِ وَصَحْبِهِ أَجْمَعِينَ بِرَحْمَتِكَ يَا رَحْمَ اللَّهِ